Well, good morning to you. I'm Joel Wayne, one of the pastors, and it's good to have you here uh, on this Sunday morning. I need to just go ahead and call something out. I'm gonna, I feel like I'm going to sniffle a lot right now. I just had a cough drop. This is a little awkward, but when you're in front of a lot of people, there are certain things that you do. You check your shoelaces, you check your zipper, and you make sure you don't have anything come, coming out anywhere else, and you go, okay, wait a second here. I just had a cough drop that opened up every sinus that I didn't even know that I had. And I'm like, wow, I can breathe. Um, it is good to have you here. Um, and I would like to invite you to open up to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 this morning. Uh, we're in something with this series in discovering the hope of God. Hopefully, in a, hopefully prayerfully, in a new way, in, in a powerful way for us. Last week, we were able to look at Zechariah and Elizabeth. And... An angel of the Lord, Gabriel, in the beginning of Luke chapter 1, um, came to Zechariah, who was a, a priest. He had gone to the temple, right? Hopefully you remember this if you were here with us. He had gone into the temple to light incense, and that's something they would keep burning at all times. Since he was a priest, he was able to go into that area that most people cannot go into. An angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, hey, listen, your wife, who is um, older in age, of course, you guys are barren. Well, she's going to have a child. He says, that's not possible. And she said, well, or, or the angel said, well, since you don't think that I can speak, I'm not going to allow you to speak. And so then he went mute, was unable to speak. Of course, we know that Elizabeth ended up having John the Baptist, the one to prepare the way of the Lord. So that's what took place there. Well, now, all of a sudden, um, Elizabeth has child, etc. But in the same chapter, after the angel Gabriel had already gone to Zechariah, now what we find in Luke chapter 1 is that the angel is then going to marry. And so that's what I want us to be able to look at today. Because there are some things about this story that have really stood out to me to be unique this year. That is, I just keep reading it over and over and over again. In Luke chapter 1, um, and we're really going to be camping out 26 and following. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 and following. We're going to walk through this, and hopefully it's going to be something that just stirs your heart and stirs your imagination and stirs your understanding of who God is and expands your understanding of who God is. At least four times we do know um, that an angel of the Lord comes in either the Gospel of Matthew or Luke. It's really where you find the birth story primarily. Um, most people go to Luke chapter, especially with the birth story of Jesus, they go to Luke chapter 2, or they go to Matthew secondary. Those are the two Gospels that really have the most details about the birth of Jesus Christ. And here in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 and following, it's Gabriel um, stepping in again, telling Mary and saying, hey, this is what's going to be occurring and happening. Um, this is the same prophet who, who spoke to Daniel, uh, the same angel who spoke to Daniel. Um, so here comes Gabriel once again to speak on behalf of God. Um, and this is what it says, Luke chapter 1, 26 and following, and I just want to start there. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Now, I just want to go ahead and stop here for just a moment. Angel of the Lord shows up. 
steps into the picture and speaks to a young lady. In fact, at that point was a young lady, probably 14, 15 years old. We would consider to be possibly a young lady today or a girl. So a young, young individual. And here comes this angel Lord and says, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And it says, and she was greatly troubled. So here comes an angel of the Lord and says, you're favored, oh favored one, and she's greatly troubled. So automatically, I'm going, she doesn't, right now at this point, the angel of the Lord hasn't come and said, hey, listen, you're about to have a child. That's one thing. The angel of the Lord comes and says, hey, you're favored, and she's greatly troubled by it. I'm like, wait a second, you're being paid a compliment. Why are you being troubled? What's happening here? And so again, as soon as that happens, here comes the angel and says, hey, oh, favored one, she's greatly troubled. And that's what happens all the time, right? We automatically, sometimes we can assume the worst no matter what. Are you married to that person? You go, hey, you look nice today. And they go, what's that really mean? You look nice today? No, really, what's wrong? Right? The angel of the Lord comes and says, hey, you're favored, and she's greatly troubled by it. And then once again, says she's greatly troubled at the saying, trying to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And so in verse 30, and the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. So once again, hey, listen, don't worry about it. Don't be afraid. It's very similar language to what the angel was already speaking prior in the chapter to Zechariah. Hey, listen, don't be afraid. Hey, we got this. So here comes the presence of God to step into the picture and say, hey, listen. Now, here's the kicker. Now, I, 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 don't, I don't blame Mary for responding that way. If an angel of the Lord comes and stands in front of me, and it doesn't matter what the angel says. They can say, oh, favored one, or hey, nice pants, or anything. I'd be freaking out a little bit, right? But the question is this, why that response? This morning, um, as... I'm sitting out different places. I, I like to come early. I listen to the, the team preparing, and I just sit different places, and I pray, and I think, and I process. Um, this, is the, this is one of the ways I thought about who we are as, as people of faith today. Um, two different things I want to just call out to you. Hard disbelief or soft disbelief. In fact, that might be fun for you to write down real quick. It's certainly not in the notes. Hard, hard disbelief or soft disbelief hard disbelief is someone who simply says i don't believe in god that's actually easy for us to, to speak about honestly that's it do, do you believe in god yes or no okay so here you go do you believe in god okay there you go i'm assuming the majority of you are saying yes if you don't believe in god i would love i will come back this afternoon love to hang out with you and talk about that um, but you're here at church on a Sunday morning. So a hard disbelief is just someone who says, I don't believe in God. A soft disbelief, though, would be someone to me, this is just as, I, as I'm processing this whole scenario that's taking place with the angel and with Mary and her response and what that means for us and what we can take from it and really learn from it, is soft disbelief, which is someone who I think says, hey, yeah, I believe in God, but they don't really know if they expect God to do anything with their life great. So think about that for just a moment. Yes, I believe in God, but I don't really expect for God to do anything crazy or awesome with my life. 
that's soft disbelief. Someone who says, yes, I believe in God and that he gave his son, but that's kind of where it stops. That's called insurance policy. And it doesn't go any further than that. Now, again, we don't know exactly where Mary was in this. I think she was someone who had great faith, by the way. But I go, why, why the response and what would our response be? And would our response be anything different? And is our response one of soft disbelief? Yes, I, and, and is that where you are today? I believe in God. I believe in Jesus Christ. But that's kind of where it stops. And he says that he's the almighty. He's omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent. And that he can do anything that he wants. He's still a God of miracles. But I'm going to limit it to what I think is a possibility. And you're going, well, I, don't, I don't know where I stand. Maybe that's what you're thinking. Do you have soft disbelief? If you are a, um, a parent, I'd like to encourage you to think about how you pray for your children. If you're a parent, you certainly pray for your, your kid. Right? I've been praying over my kids every night for a long time. And you, you pray a lot of things for your kids. One of the things that you may pray for your kids is that they're safe. Anybody pray that your kids remain safe? You pray safety for your kids, yes? Anybody? We're going to class participation. If you're a parent, you're not raising your hand right now. We're going to have a parenting class today. <laughs> but here's the other side of it. You may pray that your kid is safe. Your children remain safe. God, give them safety. Maybe you pray for their future spouse. God, be preparing them. I tell my kids that I pray for their future spouse, and my younger kids are always like, that's gross. I'm like, no, it's not. No, it's not. But how many of you pray, right, if you believe in the almighty God, that he is omniscient, that he is all-powerful, right, that he is able to come in and he wants to do radical things, like step into your life and go, hey, I want to do something amazing in your life. I want to do something spectacular in your life. How many of us are praying that our kids are used to be a catalyst for awakening to grow the kingdom of God in the entire world that they live in? That's a different prayer, isn't it? God, just use my child and just fill them with the Holy Spirit that they will have a tenacity, a spiritual fortitude to do radical things that they will always speak boldly on behalf of Jesus Christ, even if that means they have no friends in this world because they know that they have an eternal God who loves them. Is that not how we should be praying for our kids? But do we believe that that can happen? And if we don't believe that that can happen, is that not soft disbelief? Yeah, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, but do I really think he can do this? And, and I look at Mary, and here comes the angel and saying, hey, listen, oh, favored one, oh boy, I'm, I'm in trouble now. And maybe it's because if you know that God's going to step into your life in a radical way, you know you better hold on. Because we've already put a certain standard on what it is to know and to believe in and to discover and to be used by God. Well, this is what it looks like. I've moved around, as you know, a little bit. I've been here for quite a while. I don't plan on going anywhere. I love West Michigan. I can't wait for it to continually snow every single month of the year. And so as, as I look at it, I go, okay, this is amazing. Some people go, I can't believe you moved away from family. I'm like, guys, no offense, and, and, but that's not radical. 
I still have an eternal God. I'm in the United States of America. I can jump, jump on an airplane anytime I want to jump on an airplane. I have this thing called a car, and we have this thing called telephone and iPhones you can get on, and all of a sudden you throw it out, and you can look at someone standing right in front of you even though they're a 1,000 miles away. That's not radical. Radical is speaking on behalf of Jesus no matter where you are and who you're in front of and proclaiming that he is the king of your life. Are we living in soft disbelief? I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. But let's keep it there, please. And so here comes angel the Lord. Here's the problem today is I don't, if, I don't have notes. That means we're, we're here for a while, friends. They're like, do you need your stand? I'm like, no, it's just in me. They're like, oh boy. Luke chapter 1. Do you have soft disbelief? Think of it this way. Think of the person that you admire spiritually. Grab the person that you just go, man, they had a radical impact on the kingdom of God, whether they're still living or not. Think of that person, right? And I, if I don't go biblical, I'm, I'm thinking of some pretty big people. As many of you know, I'm, I'm just amazed at the story of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Charles Spurgeon, some of these guys. Like, think of that person who did radical things for the kingdom. Do you respect them? And does it stop there, or do you actually desire to be like them? Like sometimes you can see what God is doing in the lives of someone. You go, man, that's amazing for them. They're speaking boldly. They're really living according to their faith, and they're impacting a lot of people, and they're doing this massive movement. They're willing to give up all the good things and, and the easier things in life in order to be a part of a movement of God, whatever, whatever that may look like, and I respect that. But here's the question. Do you want to be like that? Do you believe that God could utilize your life, your giftings, your abilities, your talents in such a magnificent way? Are we living possibly in soft disbelief? Because here comes an angel of the Lord. And this is what it says. And the question is this, Mary's about to be used to do something radical. Where do we find the courage and the confidence to live with such faith? Isn't that the right question? We've got to figure that out. That's the right question to ask. Where do, we, where do we find that type of faith? And this is what it says, Luke 1, verse 30, and then I'm going to jump into 31, 32, 33. Angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. And now he gets, in verse 31, gets into the big stuff. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. 
How can we begin to find the confidence and the courage to be used in such a powerful way by having unwavering confidence and understanding who Jesus really is? I, I see the angel stepping in. She goes, wow, I'm greatly troubled. He goes, no, 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 again, you're favored by God. You're going to give birth to a child, but let me tell you about who this child is going to be. And then she, all of a sudden what you find is she finds this confidence. I truly believe all of a sudden Mary is stepping into this confidence because she's hearing who this child is going to be. Listen to the, what this says once again. You will, you're going to call his name Jesus, which means Savior. He's going to be Savior. Well, that's pretty cool. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High God, Jehovah Jireh. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, the very thing that you know has been prophesied about for hundreds of years is going to come to fulfillment. And then as it continues on, it says the following, And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. His throne is eternal. So he is savior of the world. He is the one who has been promised. He is the one who has been prophesied about. He is the one that will never have an end to his throne. He's going to change the world. Let that give you some confidence. Is that the God you serve? Is that the God you serve? Because what we find here, and it's right there, if you would fill that in, what we find is Mary steps in, I think, to unwavering confidence because she understood very quickly, because you're going to see the response, who this child was to be. And the better picture, the greater of a picture we have of who Christ is, the more confidence we have to be able to not live in soft disbelief, but to be able to live in a bold belief. And that's where we end up stepping in life. Unwavering confidence. And then it says, And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? I don't think she was necessarily here. The difference between Mary and Zachariah is the majority of scholars will tell you she's not saying um, and doubting God, but she's just trying to figure out, hey, I'm not even married. Hello. And so she asked a question and the angels answered her. And oh, this is so good. If you want, oh, this is so good. The angel answers her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Verse 35 is key because what we find here, and we're going to unpack this a little bit, is all of a sudden, not only in the prior verses, in 33, 34, did he call out 33, He called out and said, hey, this is who he's going to be. He's going to be Savior. He's going to be fulfilling the prophecy. He's going to be the eternal God. To him, there is no end. You need to recognize that in terms of his throne. Get this through your head. It's amazing. And by the way, she's going, well, how is this going to happen? He's going to go, oh, Trinity. That's what we just saw here in verse 35. What we have, listen to it. It says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. You're going to have a relationship with the person of Holy Spirit. 
right? It tells us the Holy Spirit will come upon you. You're going to have a relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. And then it says, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. God of the Most High, God will overshadow you. God will surround you. God will encompass you. God will protect you. God will wrap his arms around you. God will be present. And then, therefore, the child to be born will be called holy. Jesus Christ This child will alter humanity. The Son of God. Nothing is impossible with God. How does the miraculous happen in your life? How can, we, how can we move from living in soft disbelief to living in a bold belief that God wants to do more in our life? How can that happen? And, and, and part of it is this, is allowing Holy Spirit to come and to, to speak to you, to fill your life. That means we live differently. We need to start living differently in our faith Tomorrow, as we are living today, we need to be growing in that. It means we, we pray that God will overshadow us, God, and we start praying. And maybe that's something you do every day this week, as you just say, God, please, Holy Spirit, may you come and fill me. And God, will you overshadow me in absolutely everything so that I see the presence of God in, in my daily life and that it alters the entire world that I know it to be. Because here, that's what's taking place. That's what's unfolding in this passage. We can see that nothing is impossible with God because it says, And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren for nothing. There it is, verse 37. For nothing will be impossible with God. What possibilities do you live by that restrict who God can be in your life. What are those things? We look at this passage, for nothing will be impossible with God. Do you simply pray for Safety for your kids? Or do you say, God, use them to do something radical for the kingdom? Which is it for you? And so we look at this passage. And if you would, go ahead and look down. uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 38. I want us to focus on that for just a moment. Luke chapter 1, verse 38. And this is what it says. Absolutely amazing text. And Mary said, Behold, I love this response. I, I, I have touched on this every single year. I've been preaching a long time, and I touch on this every year because this response is one that I pray that I would have in my daily life. Not one that I pray that I'll have when I'm old, that I pray that I would have right now. And I pray that this is a response that we can have in our own life right now. Because again, reminding you of the story, Gabriel comes in, your favor with God. She goes, oh no. <laughs> he goes, no, no, don't worry. Don't be afraid. Your favor by God But by the way, you're going to conceive a child. (laughs) And this child 
is going to be pretty special. He's going to be Savior of the world. And he's going to have a throne that never ends. It's the very Savior that has been prophesied about over and over. Don't you remember? I'm Gabriel. I'm the one who even prophesied and spoke to Daniel in the Old Testament. And so here I am, and I'm coming to tell you. And she's going, how is this going to happen? And he says, very simple. It's called Trinity. God is going to come and overshadow you, and Jesus Christ is going to be with you. Holy Spirit is going to live within you and get ready for something amazing. you got to remember nothing's impossible with God. And so then all of a sudden it comes to this verse in verse 38, and she says, okay, behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I'm in. Have you ever had to twist somebody's arm about something? Right? You come in and you go, hey, listen, I had an idea. And um, my family, whenever I say, hey, I've been thinking, they go, oh, boy. And you come and you go, hey, I've been thinking about something. What if we do X, Y, or Z? And you have to kind of twist their arm and make them go, okay, well, I don't know about that. I don't know if that's going to be a good idea or not. Um, or other times you present something and somebody easily goes along with it and they say, hey, I didn't have to twist your arm very much, did I? How much twisting of your arm does Jesus, does God have to do in your life for you to understand that he wants to use you, your family, your friends, this church to do something more radical than you could ever imagine? I think that impacts the usability of who we are as children of God. My son, um, my older son who's 15, he, more and more, he likes to wrestle, and he reminds me, he's, I'm taller than you are. I'm like, I know, big deal, but I will smash you. Um, and, I mean, it's not just like that, but pretty much. And, and so, it is what it is. And so, then, you know, to pick on the dad. Does anybody have a son to pick on you? They come, and they just kind of push on you like this, acting like, like I didn't see them or something. Like, anybody else? It's like, okay, fine, bring it. I, that's what happens in my house, and my wife just starts, wait, 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 and she moves all the dishes, um, and all of a sudden, we start going at it. He ends up in a headlock that I've got him in on the ground like this, and I'm saying, because I'm mature, I'm saying, say uncle, say uncle. He's like, I won't say it, I won't say it. I'm like, doesn't this hurt? He goes, yeah, but I know you won't hurt me too bad. You're my father. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Sadly, that happens at least three days a week. Does God have you in a headlock? And he's saying, I want to use you. And you're going, no, I won't give in. I won't believe in your power. I won't believe in how you can really use me to speak truth in the name of Jesus. And you're going, no, I won't give in. I believe in you for eternity, but just stop there. Don't ask me to be used in a greater way. And he's got you on a headlock, and he's twisting. He's like, come on, just believe in me. Say, I love Jesus. Say, use all of me. And you're going, no, I, can we not limit it? Please, please, please. And you're begging for that because you live in soft disbelief rather than a bold belief. God wants to use your voice and your heart and your abilities and your gifts to change the community he has placed you in. 
And so then we think it's radical because we made cookies for a friend. And we had to work to say, yeah, but God loves you. I incorporated God. And I'm not saying that's not a good starting point, but I pray it's not an ending point. And so Mary says, she doesn't even have to get into the headlock. Doesn't even have to go that far. Her response is simple. Behold, it says, I am, it literally means I am your bond servant. I am your bond slave. In Greek, it's that word doulo or doulos, which means slave. Her response is this. God comes in and says, I'm going to do something crazy, radical, and miraculous in your life. She goes, I don't understand. I'm a virgin. He goes, oh, let me tell you. There's Holy Spirit. There's the Trinity. There's everything that's going to jump into your life. And you got to remember, nothing's impossible with God. And her response is this, amen. Amen. I'm your bondservant. I'm your slave. Amen. Amen. Behold, I am your I'm the servant of the Lord. If you look at the passage, there's four or five times in this passage, also in Matthew, what we find is she's referring to herself as a bond servant, the bond slave. So it's repeated. She knows. She doesn't say it once and be like, oh, I'm your servant. I'll do what I can. She says, over and over, don't you get, I'm your slave. I'm yours. I belong to you. I belong to you. So come on. Let it be to me according to your word. So all of a sudden she moves from unwavering confidence to understanding the Trinity, the power of God. Right? Write that down. So she moves from unwavering confidence, there it is for you, to the power of God, to all of a sudden her response to understanding and remembering and knowing the power of God is what? Radical submission. That's what we have. We move from this unwavering confidence to the power of God to radical submission. That's what hope is. Hope is a person. Hope is Jesus Christ. Hope is unwavering confidence to live in the power of God by radical submission. That's what this whole, we just took the text. We said, how is this possible? How is this happening? And there it is. She knows what it is to live and hope, unwavering confidence in the power of God, and she does so by radical submission. She doesn't determine how much submission. She doesn't. She just says, I'm all in. I'm yours. I'm your slave. I'm your servant. Bring it, oh God. Are you willing to speak to God and say, Lord, whatever you want, whatever you desire, I'm in. Do you have that unwavering confidence because you know the power of God? What he's capable of doing, it tells us right there, verse 37, for nothing is impossible. All things are possible with God. All of them. God desires to use you and you're going, well, you don't understand. He can't use me. My family doesn't even like me. And God's going, I can use anybody. I can redeem anyone at any time from what? Anything. 
that's hope. It's a story of hope. That's hope. Are you living in soft disbelief? I found that to be true for me sometimes. And even speaking about what God's doing here, I I struggle sometimes to speak about what God's doing because I think it sounds a little weird. God's doing a movement, though. And God's asking us as a church to not live in soft disbelief. He's asking us to live in bold belief and having an unwavering confidence in the power of God and to live that out by radical submission. I know that we all define radical submission differently. We define the word radical differently, right? It's wintertime here in West Michigan, which means people go sledding. Some people, you can put them down a little tiny hill that goes from me to the front row, and that's it. And they're like, wow, that was amazing. And then others, you can put them on a cliff, 90-degree angle, and then that's the definition of radical. Are you living by radical submission? I look at the passage, and I'm just so encouraged Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And it says that, and so the angel departed from her. That's how, the, that's how it was left. I'm in. I'm going to live by radical submission. The angel says, awesome, I'm out. This morning, we've, over the last couple of weeks, we've given you um, some cards. I hope that you have them. I hope that you have one right there with you from the worship guide or in the back, whatever you need. We've been asking you to prepare because, um, let's do this. Chica, will you hand me this jar? Thank you, my friend. I feel as though there are so many of us that we're living life and we're taking our faith and we're, we're just stuffing it in a jar. And then we actually, if we had the lid, we would take the lid and we would put it on. And then we'd go like, there it is. I got it. I'm good. Right? What would it look like for us as a church if we took the lid off? Yes, we've been asking financially, but also with the way that we're willing to serve. Right? Some of you are literally, you're coming back early from vacations just to come and serve on a Sunday morning and to open doors for people. Because you know it matters. Some of you are coming back early because you don't want to miss your kids in terms of the ones that are here that you're ministering to and you're teaching on a weekly basis. Some of you are going, you know what, I just know God has more for me. Some of you I know are sharing your faith after 25 plus years of believing in Jesus Christ and you're sharing your faith for the very first time at your place of employment. 
and you're going, well, I may get in trouble, I may get fired, but so be it. It's good. Nathan has room in his basement for you. Say amen. Say amen. Amen. Volunteers to finish my basement. Anybody? Put the lid on, Pastor Nathan. Um, We've been asking you, how are you willing to take the lid off? And to actually do the radical in your life, in our life. So we've been asking for you to look at that. And there's no names on the cards, but that's why also with those cards, um, I shouldn't have done that. I should, like, as soon as, soon I was like, oh, they're going to, oh. I'm so sorry. I'm not at all. Um, there are these cards, and we ask you to fill them out. Because, by the way, your finances, we know Jesus speaks about that more than anything besides love. We know this, right? And so that's why we talk about finances, because that's typically one of our greatest idols. Money and kids, right, in America. And it says, I currently give this amount or this amount on a whatever basis, and I'm choosing to trust God by giving this amount. I'm asking all of you, I'm asking everybody here to tithe for the first three months of next year. And you're going, what? Being obedient, I know it's going to be radical now, but being obedient to God shouldn't be radical. Can we stop acting as though just doing as the creator of the universe tells us to act? Can we stop acting like that's the radical? That's called faith. Really? Ah! People are dying. And the reason they don't want to come to church so often is because they don't see any difference in us. Can we live by radical submission because we believe in the power of God and because of that we have unwavering confidence that God's got our back. We've got stuff to do to grow the kingdom of God, to be the catalyst of spiritual awakening in a culture that is not only dry, it is parched, it is thirsty, and it needs the living water named Jesus. Will you join us? So that's why even maybe some of you saw a video I did this last week and posted it. It said on one side, it said, I will. It's not just fine. Maybe there's something else God's calling you to. Maybe it's fostering a kid. Maybe it's, maybe it's saying, you know what, we're supposed to open our home. Maybe it's, it's man, you know what, I, I really don't want to do this, but I'm supposed to start a ministry, and I don't know how. Or maybe for some of you are going, I just finished up med school, and I'm supposed to go to seminary. And you're going, this doesn't make any sense. Are you willing to live in radical submission to Jesus Christ? And so we've asked you to look at that. And here in a moment, we're going to go ahead and sing. I'm going to offer a prayer. And we're going to ask that you bring them forward, these cards. So I'll even have the row here. There's two tables up top. There's three up front. And some of you are going, why not tables in the back? We want, God went into action for us. Let's get, can we not walk 50 feet for him? Because we know the majority of people come to church, right? The majority of people go to church in order to be, to be ministered to. And that's a good thing, but how about we start going to church to be ministers? And, and to serve with everything we got. 
So we're going to ask that you bring these four. And to put them in a jar, because there is no more lid on it. And to say, God, it's all yours. I am your slave, bondservant of the Most High. We're going to give you that opportunity. And we're going to be singing together and rejoicing in who God is. God, I come before you in the name of Jesus, and I give you thanks. We love you, we praise you, and we worship you. You are the King of kings. We are your slaves. We're in. In Christ's name, amen.